This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to the edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast that we always dread every year. It's the last one of the season because the Chicago Blackhawks lost in Game 5 to the Vegas Golden Knights by a score of 4-3 to this evening. Not, not a fun way for the season to end, obviously, but we did get an additional couple of weeks of hockey, and we got to go on an awesome ride with you guys before we get any further into the show, I'm James Naveau, obviously, from NBC5 Chicago. Jay Zawoski is with me, of course, from 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, I promised our listeners that if the Blackhawks got eliminated that I would bust out the whiskey. The whiskey hath been busted out. So, bottoms up, buddy. Enjoy that. What kind of whiskey are you drinking? It's a uh, single barrel pick that one of my buddies picked up from uh, Benny's, and I honestly don't remember it. I tried texting him to ask him what it was, and I haven't heard back. So I'll, uh, I don't know, I'll post that somewhere, but it's real good, and it's really hitting the spot right now. It's hitting me right in the feels, man. All right, we've got a lot to get to on this podcast. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for joining us on Hot Mike. Got a lot of people in the room already. I know it's late. 12.14 in the a.m. is when we started this bad boy up. So thank you to everyone who's in the room here with us. Hit up the comment section. We'll do our best to answer your questions. If you're listening traditionally on the Madhouse Podcast, we thank you as well. Email us, madhousepod at gmail.com or on Twitter at madhousepod. Instagram, madhouse underscore pod and Facebook, facebook.com slash madhousehockeychi. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash madhousepod. If you want to support the podcast financially, we would greatly appreciate it. So. A lot of stuff to get to before we get to breaking down all the bad decisions, all the bad plays, all the good plays, everything. I just want to take a second to say, and we said this after the last game, regardless of the talent gap, regardless of the errors, regardless of the mistakes, this team balls the hell out. They played their asses off until the last horn sounded. There was zero quitting them. And uh, look, we did not expect them to win this series. We said Vegas in five, maybe six, right? Was our hope. <laughs> they hung tough, man. They were they were in the game. They were a shot away. It's just, it's hard for me. It's frustrated. It's disappointing, obviously. It's hard for me to be too mad about how it ended. Now, there's things about tonight, maybe they could have extended the series. And we're going to get to that. But before I get into the specific criticism, I just want to say I think they did a the players themselves did a really commendable job of staying in games against a team that is vastly superior to them. And uh, and they just played their asses off. So kudos to them for that. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I got to agree with you. This team throughout the season really felt like they just had a never they had a never quit attitude. They showed that repeatedly in these playoffs. They faced a ton of adversity going through this postseason. And you have to give them a ton of credit for the way that they really stuck it out. And honestly, like the four games that they lost in this series, I have to say 
they had chances to win each of the games that they lost. And that did include tonight. And yeah, I know that they had two different leads in this game that they blew. And yeah, I know that it sucks watching Vegas basically skate circles around this team through chunks of that game. But at the same time, the Blackhawks big guns did come out to play tonight. I mean, you had a goal from Patrick Kane. You had one from Jonathan Tabes. You had one from Alex DeBrincat. You had Corey Crawford playing well in the first period of this game. It just seemed like the, the narrative for the Blackhawks in this series especially was that they never quit. They were always fighting. But in the end, they were just they were going at such an uphill battle against a talented team like Vegas. And you saw why they are the top seed in the Western Conference. They don't allow a lot of shots. They take a ton of shots. It's really hard to beat teams that can do both of those things well. And I have to say the Blackhawks acquitted themselves really well for being a team that a lot of people said had no reason to be in the bubble. They were the 12th seed in the West for a reason, yada, yada. They really made Vegas earn that series. And I think the Golden Knights would say the same thing about Chicago. Yeah, they they put up a fight and that's all you can really ask for. A couple more games would be nice. No doubt you and I especially have have a vested interest in the Blackhawks continuing to play hockey, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but look, all right, let's get to it. John Quenville's in the game. Alex Nylander scratched. And, and look, I don't have a problem with that move. I don't even have a problem with John Quenville starting the game on the top line. That said, down a goal with three minutes left, I don't want John Quenville on the ice. At that point, I'd rather have Joel Quenville on the ice. <laughs> I, I just don't look. I get it. Okay. I get you want to try to even things out. And you said it today with Lawrence Holmes on the score. Watch Patrick Kane's minutes. I get it. You need to, you need to keep him breathing and alive. If you're going to have a chance to win these games. But I thought midway through the second was time to get sod up there with Taves and Kubalik. Right. As soon as that line was on the ice, they scored. I know it was like a mid chain sort of a thing. Yeah. When they scored the goal. But John Quinville did his job. He played north and south. He finished checks. He's hustled. I had no problem with his game. I had problems with his usage. He was way overused in this game. In last game, when he was in for Nylander, we were pissed because, well, you put him in and he played like four minutes or whatever it was. Tonight, right, he had more right. Great Kajula. That can't happen. That is a coaching mistake. That cannot. Ha I know he's in the top line. I don't care. As you're down a goal or you're tied, you need to start generating some offense. Get John Quenville. Look, why can't you put John Quenville in on the fourth line and put Highmore on the top line? A guy who has shown some scoring punch, some scoring ability, uh, a nose for the net, those sort of things. I just don't get. It's like, okay, Nylander probably didn't deserve to play, right? He hasn't been good. He hasn't generated much. But then you put this guy in. And for the vast majority of the 60 minutes, he remained your top line winger. No, that can't be what it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it really can't. And he cannot be on the ice with two and a half minutes left in an elimination game. And another thing, too, like I get that Adam Boquist is not he had a rough game, obviously, on the defensive side of things like that's pretty blatantly clear. And that's probably why Colleton didn't have him in for stretches of the third period. But I just I thought the fact tonight that he did put him in at the end of the game when the Blackhawks absolutely had to have a goal was pretty damning because he should have probably been in sooner than that if he's legitimately one of your best offensive defensemen. Like, why wasn't Slater Cuckoo getting more minutes? Why wasn't Adam Boquist getting more minutes in those closing seconds of the game? Like, to me, it seems pretty clear at this point that I'm not going to agree with a lot of the decisions that Jeremy Colleton makes. And like you said, Jay, playing John Quenville isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. Like, yeah, if you're really going to take Alex Nylander out of the mix, why the hell wouldn't you put a guy like Dylan Secura in? Is Dylan Secura really not going to give you a better chance to, I don't know, generate some offense or to do something than John Quenville is? I think that that at least gives you a chance of potentially getting a spark. And I know, like... Fourth line decisions shouldn't be making or breaking teams, but this wasn't a fourth line decision. This was a top line decision. And then exactly. to have John Quenville out there in the last two and a half minutes of this hockey game was simply unforgivable for Jeremy Colleton. And once again, to me, shows that he's in over his head when it comes to making strategic decisions and trying to make the moves that are going to win hockey games. Here's the thing. There are times to discipline 
your players, right? There's times to say that was a bad play. You're going to sit for a while, but down a goal late, you don't put one of your better puck movers out there. And look, Adam Boquist had a bad playoff. There's no doubt about it. And we got, there were a couple of people on Twitter hitting us up today saying, uh, you know, how are you still not worried about Boquist? I'm not worried about Boquist because he's 20 and I'm not going to make the comparison to Duncan Keith, but I guess I sort of am. Duncan Keith's first few years in the league were really brutal defensively. He looked like a guy who did not belong in the NHL. Defensemen take longer to develop. Not everyone is Kale McCarr. That's not realistic where a guy steps in and he's awesome immediately or Quinn Hughes. That is the exception. Adam Boquist, look, still to me, right behind Kirby Doc is their top prospect. He's going to be a big part of things for years, unless, of course, he gets traded for someone else's bust this summer, which, you know, he could happen with Stan Bowman at GM. Um, I, I don't, I have not lost faith in Boquist. Was he good in the series? Absolutely not. Do I want to see more? Yes. I still feel like his development is on the right path. It's on the right track. John McDonough, hear what I'm saying. John McDonough called him up this year. That was John McDonough's decision. Okay. And if you want to talk about, did that lead to his dismissal? Maybe, maybe it was part of it, but John McDonough is the guy who, who called for Adam Boquist to be recalled and brought up. Was he ready? Maybe not. Was he ready to be a top pair defenseman? Definitely not. But where else are you going to play him? You got to play him with Duncan Keith, who's going to teach him on the job, almost like a coach on the ice with him. Right. And I do have, I do have a question and maybe a concern about Boquist. And I know that you, Jay, you said you're not concerned about Boquist and I am completely in agreement with you. He can obviously develop his skills. I'm not seeing the speed that I thought we would see from Adam Boquist. It looks like his foot speed is slow to me, and that could just be him being cautious, trying not to get burned. But I'm also not seeing a real aggressive urge to get the puck to the net and to take shots. It looks like he'd much rather be making passes around the perimeter of the ice, and a guy like Boquist has to be getting the puck on net. He has to be pinching in on offense. Like, I'm I'm not seeing that, and that seems to me... That might be something kind of difficult for an offense first guy to develop. That's probably the one concern I do have with Boquist. I do think he can develop some defensive acumen, but he's really got to work on that uh, skate speed, especially because I'm just I'm not seeing it right now. Well, I, you said it early and what I agree with you, but I think what we're seeing is him hesitant on his thoughts, right? Like mm-hmm. unsure of what to do not trusting his instincts, not trusting the play he's going to make, afraid to make a mistake. And that's what the, a lot of young defensemen, that's what people said about Henry Okaharu when you talked to him, even before the trade, talking to people in the organization, what did you think about his play this year? Eh, you know, like he, he's just kind of floundering out there and he's, he's unsure and he's indecisive. Look, when your coach takes you off the ice, every time you make a mistake, that's going to play a role. That's going to play a role in that. And I think as he gets some success, as things start to go better for him, the, the instincts will kick in more. The other thing you mentioned, his skating, the skating has to get better. I agree with you. He's fast, but he's not efficient. And you saw the work Kirby Doc did during the stoppage of getting stronger, getting faster. Adam Boquist should and can do that. It's up to him to actually do it, though. And this is what we don't know about Adam Boquist. What is his work ethic? What is his personality? Mm-hmm. We see that Doc grinded his ass during the stoppage. Is Adam Bogus going to do the same thing, you know, starting tomorrow when the offseason begins for the Blackhawks? Can Adam Bogus get himself into legitimate top four physical condition and speed? And, th- and that's going to be key. His development is key. And are you confident with his development in the hands of Jeremy Colleton? That's the question. That's that's the big question. And I don't know how anybody can say yes to that right now. Like, I'm not saying that Jeremy Colleton is solely responsible for them not winning this series. That would be an incredibly silly thing to do. But I also still, all the questions that I had about Jeremy Colleton's ability to lead this team into the future None of those questions have been resolved, man. I, I honestly, I go into this off season thinking that if they fire Jeremy Colleton, I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm not going to like sit here and demand that he immediately needs to go right now. But I think 
if they go through the review process and they look at the guy that they want to lead this team moving forward and the guy to handle the development, not only of guys like Adam Boquist, but also your Bodans, your Mitchells, your Regulas, a lot of these guys, I don't think Jeremy Colleton is that guy. And I think ultimately after that type of a review, I think they should hopefully come to the same conclusion that I'm coming to here. But I am gonna I'm gonna move this away a little bit from Adam Boquist because I think focusing on him kind of misses one of the bigger issues in the hockey game. And of the last few games overall, I have not been overly impressed with what Duncan Keith was doing the last couple of games. I felt like he looked definitely a step slow. I'm not sure if it was an injury, a conditioning issue, whatever it was. But and I know that he's had to babysit Adam Boquist at times during these games, and that's gonna end up, you know, costing him a lot. But I also noticed just like weird positioning issues tonight. Didn't seem like he was very quick to recognize plays as they kind of unfolded. I just, I wasn't, I haven't been a big fan of Duncan Keith the last couple of games, the way that I was in that Edmonton series. It just kind of looked like he bonked and just kind of ran out of gas a little bit. Yeah, he was not great in this whole series. And uh, our guy, Greg Boyson uh, tweeted out, if you, made a review of every Hawks goal given up in these playoffs, you'd see a lot of pictures of Duncan Keith just standing next to the net. Mm-hmm. And look, he still has the speed. He still has the smarts, but I just think he's got to do it all himself. That's kind of how it feels for him. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. I think he's trying to do too much. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting from Duncan Keith, probably because he has to, because he's really the only guy out there that's even close to a top three at this point. Uh, I like DeHaan. I like Murphy, but. And I, and I like Murphy even more than I did when the playoffs started, man. Sure, I, but he's a, he's a he, I'm sorry to talk over you. He's a three or a four on a really good team, right? Keith has to do all that work and I, and maybe he doesn't have to, but I think he feels like he has to, and he's trying to be everywhere at once. And, and in turn, he's nowhere ever. <laughs> that makes sense. I think it makes total sense, man. <clears throat> Woo, I swallowed that whiskey weird. Um, and, and I would agree with you on that. I think that Duncan Keith does at times kind of get that. I have to kind of do everything vibe to his game. But the reality is he's not even doing just what he's supposed to be doing. So if that's going to be the case and you're going to like try to do everything and then achieve nothing, that's not a good place to be in, especially for a veteran guy, man. I just I really I, I didn't like what I saw from him in the last couple of games of that series. And I'm not saying that obviously, of course, that he's going to be cooked or anything silly like that, but just, it's something to keep an eye on moving forward because for all the effusive praise that we had for Duncan Keith in this postseason, I definitely think that it kind of reversed a little bit in that series. Um, I also wanted to, uh, Mentioned Corey Crawford. Like, I know, like, tonight there were so many weird bounces in that game. Yeah. It was so hard for him to follow the puck. Like, there, the, the biggest puck luck tonight on a couple of those bounces was really good. But I'm also wondering if he really, like, I don't know, like, it just seemed like his, like, movement in the crease was maybe a little bit exaggerated tonight. It almost looked like he kind of overslid on a couple of the goals. I kind of wanted to get your take on Crawford's game and whether or not I'm kind of off base wondering why he was being so super aggressive in that game instead of the controlled aggression that we had seen in game four. Well, it's funny. After game four, I think I said to you, I always go back and listen to our podcast. It's a weird thing I do. It's kind of like a self-assessment. And... I compared him to Dominic Hasek in that game because he was sort of flailing and floundering all over the place. And I think it's just the fact that Vegas moves the puck so quickly with so much efficiency and they're on you so fast that he doesn't really have the time he used to have to get set in a square up and face those shots, which, which is what Corey Crawford has been so damn good at his entire career. So yes, I did see that from him tonight, but I think it was almost out of necessity. Yeah. Because, and um, I think, was it, who was it in the first intermission? Was it Max Pacioretty? Talked about getting uh, second ch- chance opportunities. And when the second period began, Vegas started getting a lot more of those. They were crashing the net harder. They were picking up loose pucks. There were more loose pucks available too. But I just think, you know, with the, the amount of shot attempts the Knights are putting, we're putting on the Hawks this entire series. Corey Crawford just sort of hanging on for dear life. And I had no problem with his game tonight. I None of those goals, do I don't really blame him for. Two of them were, uh, you know, one was a weird bounce. One was an absolute snipe. The other ones were, you know, Boquist got driven past and Keith was standing there. 
I don't I don't have a huge issue with any of the goals he gave up. I think he was heroic in this entire series, and uh, he was sort of the least of the problems. Despite giving up some soft goals, I think he did way more in, in getting them this far than he did in harming them. That's for damn sure. Part of the reason I brought up the Crawford question was to set up a question that I've seen several people bring up in the chat this evening. By the way, for those of you who aren't in on the hot mic action, I'm telling you, this real-time question and answer thing has been probably my favorite part of doing these post-game shows, other than the drinking, of course, which (laughs) um, has been very nice. Uh, Keegan King is one that I managed to target for Corey Crawford. He asked, Crawford's on this team moving forward, correct? Like, that is... Boy, that's one of the biggest questions of the offseason is what the hell the Blackhawks are going to do at goaltender. I don't see them going out into free agency and going out and picking up a big name guy like a Robin Leonard. Like the only options I really see at this point are to potentially keep Corey Crawford on a cheap deal or to maybe go out like a couple of our listeners have suggested during these playoffs and maybe go acquire like a restricted free agent from a team like Pittsburgh who's got two of them in their net. Like it's going to be a really interesting off season. I just don't, I don't see the Blackhawks shelling out like 10, $11 million on goaltending again. I think they have to bring him back. And just because of what you said, there's not a lot of other options or not a lot of better options. I don't think Corey's done playing hockey. I, th- I don't know how interested he is in relocating his life, relocating his family to go start anew at age 36, you know, as an unrestricted free agent. Here's a question though. If you want Crawford to stay, it might take a second year. Are you giving Corey Crawford two years? Let's say, and we always talk about hometown discounts, and Bowman never gives them, and the Hawks never take them. So it's like, I don't know what market value is for Corey Crawford right now. Maybe $4 million, but I don't even know. Like When you look at it, where do you get that money? Where's it coming from? Would he? If you say, we'll give you an extra year, okay, we'll give you a two-year deal, but you've got to take three or less do you do you sign on that line if you're the hawks james you do you do you give him that second year i think you do and here's why i think it's i think it's because you can then you can still buy him out in the second year if you absolutely have to right like that that at least the lower aab does give you that opportunity and yeah it's gonna suck on the back end of that buyout not having that little bit of cap space but i just i really I think if it's a two-year deal and like you said, you can get him for two and a half, three mil, I'm okay with that. My question then too is who the heck's your backup? Is it going to be Colin Delia who you signed to a three-year deal? Is it going to be Kevin Lankinen? Like I, it's not going to be like last season where Corey Crawford ended up, you know, potentially dealing with some concussion issues and like you were always kind of concerned about that at whatever point. And then you had Robin Leonard that was there and not having that security blanket while it is going to give them an opportunity to upgrade their team, especially on their bottom six forwards. I think they're definitely going to look to make some moves and to try to get some guys in here that can play more meaningful minutes and to give them some depth. It just it really seems like a sketchy idea at this point to entrust your goaltending to Corey Crawford and probably Colin Delia and Kevin Lankinen. But looking at the salary cap situation and some of the other decisions that they're going to have to make, that might be the best option for them. And that's really not saying much. So the backup situation, I do think that it's probably Delia. And I don't mind that because I think he's fine. I think he's NHL backup quality. Maybe he's not an elite backup, but he's good enough. And I think that gives Lincoln in the bulk of starts in Rockford because I do think they see Lincoln in as a more, uh, a better long term starting option than Delia. Delia is more ready to be an NHL backup now, but I think a couple more years of seasoning in Rockford for Lincoln and he could be ready to at least compete for a starting job in the NHL. So that, that to me sort of works out ideally. Did a couple people have pointed this out to us on the chat? I have not seen it. Um, and if anyone has a link, send it to us in the chat. Apparently, there was some sort of, I don't want to say confrontation, but Robin Leonard in the handshake line was effusive which with all of his teammates, former teammates, the Hawks, patting him on the chest, saying, good job, looking him in the eye, saying something sincere to each and every guy. And then apparently when he got to Jeremy Colleton, there was some sort of brush off or he ignored him or something like that. Mm. If... if and I, I don't know how this happens, 
What if the Hawks move on from Cowan this summer? It's actually going to be this fall now at this point. Um, would I wonder if Leonard would consider signing back here? If there's something with Cowan, maybe. And I don't know. I just it's so hard to predict because is Bowman safe? Is Cowan safe? If you listen to Rocky Words on the score the other day, and if you haven't, you should go back and listen to that because it was interesting. There was one line he had that was missed by David Hall and, and Mike Mulligan where he said, whoever comes in as league president will not be a hockey retread. Mm. There was no follow-up given to that to that comment, which was strange. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what he has in mind. But it seems like something could happen. Like he gave John McDonough a vote of confidence, and months later he was fired. I really don't know. I don't know what the plan is in the offseason, but – I don't know. I, I just don't. They probably can't sign Leonard even if they wanted to, even if he wanted to sign here. He said he's done taking discounts. He should be done taking discounts, and he's the best goalie on the market. It's time for Robert Leonard to get paid. That is, a, Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. If you're the best goaltender available on the free agent market, you shouldn't be in the business of taking player discounts. I think that that's absolutely correct, Jay. I did go and find the video of what happened on the – telecast uh Leonard was again like you said giving big hugs to guys like Kubalik and Patrick Kane you know talking to him for a few seconds just very obviously like good and friendly with him and then he got to Jeremy Colleton shook his head and shook his hand and just moved on like it was just like they he's like hey what's up and then left like that's all he did and I know like that probably we're gonna read way more into that probably than it actually meant but it was noticeable after the way he was treating literally everybody else on the team, including guys like Dominic Kubelik. Uh Speaking of that Rocky Words interview, after we react to this game, James and I will probably do another podcast uh, late this week, early next week, just sort of regrouping on the offseason, looking ahead. I'm going to bring back some of the audio from that interview with Rocky Words because there were a lot of interesting things said. What it sounds like he wants is a an infusion of youth and energy into the organization. And he thinks Danny Wirtz, who's 42 years old, same age as me, we're about the same level in terms of success, me and Danny Wirtz. Um, it seems like they want a youth movement. They want to bring in some different voices. So wholesale changes up, up at the top wouldn't surprise me. The only thing is like they just did this restructure of the front office like a month ago. So I don't know. I really don't know what to expect, but we'll get into all of that. Uh, as the season ends, uh, which it just did today. But, you know, we'll do a podcast later this week to get to some of those big picture things, including the contracts for Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubelik and Corey Crawford and all the huge offseason questions that remain. Another guy, James, who I'm a little bit concerned about losing is Drake Kajula. I'm, I really like him, man. I, he makes things happen when he's on the ice. He's not the, you know, the most skilled guy in the world, but the hustle's there. He works hard. He's got a little bit of offensive upside. I would like to see him re-sign somehow. And when he does, I want to see him maybe in a bigger role for a while. See what he can do on the power play. See what he can do on the top six. He's got the speed. He's got the hands. He just, the opportunity hasn't been there for him since he came to Chicago. And he's certainly a guy that gives you a lot of things in a lot of different areas, right? The Blackhawks are very clearly a team that lacks in terms of physicality, right? They are not a team that is able to kind of muscle guys off the puck. If there's a big lesson to be learned from the way that they played against uh, Las Vegas, it's so blatantly obvious to me that they just don't have those guys who can muscle dudes off the puck and like, you know, create separation in the neutral zone with their physical play. Drake Kajula can do that. And not only that, He's got soft enough hands to make plays happen in the offensive zone, too. And like you said, I think it would be a really good idea for the Blackhawks to hold on to a guy like that. I still think it comes back to something that you and I have talked about fairly extensively during this playoff run is whether or not they can afford to keep him because obviously they're going to have so many issues to address in the offseason in terms of salary cap and all of that. Is he a luxury item? Like, that's the big question. And I know. It seems so stupid to say that a guy like Drake Kajula can be a luxury item. But when you look at the holes on this roster, basically anybody that's not just like a plug in guy at this point has to be very carefully evaluated to determine whether or not he's a fit for this system and a fit under the salary cap. So right now he's making one and a half million dollars. Uh, he is 26 years old, obviously a restricted free agent. I don't see him getting a big raise beyond that. Um, 
but man, you just sort of look at the cap situation and it is hard to find a way. Now there's going to have to be some buyouts. Maybe it's Mata, you know, uh, who knows? Uh, Zach Smith, I think almost for sure will be bought out. But when you look at the depth of the forwards in the organization, there's just not that guy who's going to come up and make an impact. Pia Suter is the guy to keep an eye on. He should be is hopefully next year's Dominic Kubalik. But, you know, Anton Vadin is a free agent. He didn't really do much. Reese Johnson, guy. Kurashev, there's hope there. He's only 20. Um, but I think besides him and Mackenzie Entwistle, there's not a lot of forward prospects that they're super high on. I think Evan Barrett, too, would be a guy you would put in that category. Uh, and then they signed Cameron Morrison from Notre Dame today. So I'm sure he'll get a look as well. Um, but most of the key prospects in the Blackhawks are defensemen, and they're going to need some people to fill out those forward spots. And I mean, I still don't know how they're going to sign Stroman and Kubelik. So if you lose one of those guys, I don't know. It's just it's hard to it's hard to see how this team's going to improve this summer. Can you really- imagine the riots? If they don't bring back Kubalik and they keep Strom, <laughs> I don't think so, that'll happen. So bad, dude. No, cannot happen. It won't happen. I won't let it. No, you shouldn't. I don't. I think he's done enough to earn his stripes. By the way, something I want to get to. Uh, this isn't so much a criticism as, as an observation. We've talked about what Adam Boquist needs to work on over the offseason. Kubalik, I would like to see him stronger on the puck. He gets knocked off the puck pretty easily. You know, I I would like to see him be a little more than, um, you know, like a, a, a straw of hay when, when a defender goes after him. I want to see him get a little bit stronger. He's great in finding those spaces. He gets those places where he needs to go to score goals. He's got a great shot. But when it comes to behind the net and in front of the net, he's very easy to move. That's something I would like to see him work on in the offseason. And then who knows how many freaking goals he can score. And it will be on the top six. Finally, it only took Cowan, what, <laughs> 10 months to get him there? And how long did it take him to get him on the first power play unit, too? Yeah. I, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Jeremy is late to realize stuff that everyone's like, what are you doing? It's like the timeout thing. Like, I thought today, is he going to call timeout? He's going to call the timeout, right? Yeah, I know he hasn't done it, like, throughout the playoffs. Now's your chance, J.C., and the and like Eddie and and uh, Pat were saying like maybe it's time to shorten the bench. Duh. Helen's <laughs> always like the last guy to get the message. Like oh yeah, maybe I should. Like I wonder if Mark Crawford just sitting there like, are you gonna do that? Are you, do you plan on timeout? No. Still, Quenville still Quenville still out there? Oh okay, cool. All it's gonna be quiet. I got to ask Jay, the go ahead goal, should he have challenged it? Um the problem is if you lose the challenge you're shorthanded and I didn't see enough on that one to challenge. The second one was right to challenge. Um but eh, I don't know. I was sort of on the fence about it and just knowing that if if you're wrong it's a penalty. I didn't have a huge problem without the challenge on the first one. Your pe- your penalty kill has been outstanding the entire series. Like that, to me, it's the go-ahead goal in an elimination game. I'm going to trust my penalty kill to actually do the job. Like that's well, that's my take on it. But all they do all the time is praise their video coach who is ungodly at finding things to review and challenge and all those things. He's still employed. He reviewed the tape, and he's the guy who usually makes the call on whether or not to review things. So I trust him. I is Matt Meacham is his name, correct? You don't. You yeah. You're gonna praise him, and now you don't even know his name. I I'm sorry. I forgot it's twelve twelve forty five in the morning, and I forgot the video review coach's name. But I don't think I did. I think it is Matt Meacham. It is. And he is praised as one of the best guys in the league at doing that. So if he looked at that and said, "Don't challenge," cool. Don't challenge. That's boring. I, what a boring excuse listening to your video guy. Listen to your gut. Clearly the best way to go about things in the NHL. I guess so. And the gut says to play John Quenville on the top line for 50 minutes of the game. <laughs> Curses, you're correct. All right. <laughs> Gotta get to a question from Soup Daddy here. After this series, after this five games of oh-so-fun hockey, is Vegas your Stanley Cup favorite right meow? 
Uh, they were going into this series uh, just because of their depth, because of their dominance. Uh, I mean, Colorado has been incredibly impressive. They are just lighting up Arizona. It's it's almost embarrassing. Uh, I am very much looking forward to that eventual series, Vegas and Colorado. That's going to be unreal, and uh, I can't wait. But it's one of those two. But if I had to pick today, I'm saying Vegas because of their goaltending advantage. I think they have better goalies, and I think they're a little bit deeper. Colorado has higher t- like high-end talent. But I think Vegas is a deeper team. I'm still going with Colorado. I still think that just that, like you said, that high end talent, man, I know Vegas has just that insane depth and they showed throughout the series that they are really good in a lot of different areas of the game, but that firepower and that ability to just pile up goals that Colorado has, I just, I, I still give them a very narrow edge. And I I see that uh, CB 408 in the chat said Western conference final will be the Stanley cup series. It's not as bad as it was in 2014 when it was the Blackhawks and Kings for the Stanley Cup. And then the Rangers got the right to get pantsed by the Kings in that series. But it's fairly close this year that I think that Vegas and Colorado are better than anybody the East has to offer. I will say that if Boston can kind of figure their stuff out, which they seem to be kind of starting to do against Carolina, their depth and their talents, especially at the top of their forward rotation, I think could be really good. But man, I, I still think Vegas and Colorado are the two best teams in the NHL. How about Rask just going home? See, I, I see it. So many people who are like, oh, you know, he should have known like blah, blah, blah. You know what? A, you don't know what it's like to be in his shoes. I don't think anybody does. He did the right thing by him. And I, I feel like if his teammates are cool with that, fine. If they're not, well. Too bad. He's gone anyway. And second, it's not like they have a complete schlub in net now. Yaroslav Halak's not bad. So, no doubt. If something happens to him, that's an issue, but I think they're going to be all right. Yeah, that was just like, whoa, that happened. Okay, there's a little wrench in your playoff plans, but uh, yeah. By the way, we're uh, almost 40 minutes into this thing, and we've not mentioned any of our sponsors yet, so I'm going to do that real quick. Triple Threat Sports, for all your team outfitting needs, call Chris. 708-478-6090. 708-478-6090. Authentic hockey jerseys, authentic baseball, football jerseys. But you got a team, you got a bowling league, you got whatever. They can hook you up with great jerseys, great logos there as well. Email Chris at triplethreatsports.com, 708-478-6090. And our friends at Dr. Squatch, whoosh, as I whip out the cold brew cleanse, thick brick. Absolutely delicious. I got the toothpaste yesterday. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. There's a day and a nighttime Dr. Squatch toothpaste. The nighttime one has chamomile in it. Slept like a baby. I ate the entire tube. Is that what I'm supposed to do? Just like drink the whole thing? That's how it works, right? Eh, I'm sure I'll be fine. Go to drsquatch.com. Enter that promo code MADHOUSE. You'll save 20% on your order and help the podcast at the same time. Get yourself some natural, handmade, made in the USA soap, hair care products, and uh, toothpaste. And again, use that promo code MADHOUSE when you check out and you'll save 20% on your order. James, why don't we take a break? We'll gather some listener questions in the break and come back and and answer those and then wrap things up here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Me, 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 but also you. (laughs) The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski. I'm here in my basement in Homewood. James is out there in his apartment in Bourbon A, but we're with you on Hot Mike for one more live post-game podcast, The Hawks Lose. 4-3 4-3 to the Vegas Golden Knights, losing the series. Their series, their season is over, so we've got a lot to look forward to. I want to talk about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theater Street. They're family-owned 
and operated since 1933. The poor boys, the steaks, the chops, the seafood, the craft beer menu, everything at Marishka's is outstanding. Bring some friends. When things get back to normal, they'll want to go back again and again. And so will you. They've been there for ni- since 1933 for a reason. So visit marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. And when you go to any of these places, tell them the Madhouse Podcast sent you. It's beneficial. All right, James, you have saved some questions from our chat. Hit me up. Hit them up. Let's get these answered before we wrap this up. Uh, Drubles asked the most important question of the evening. What about Matei Chalupa? Is he going to be? A, is he potentially going to be part of their plans? From what I understand, he might be a year off yet. Um, but again, they they need all these options at forward. So I think everyone who is signed is going to get a legitimate look. I would think that if I'm if the top nominations to be forwards next year on the team that are not right now, Suter is number one. I think they really see him as a guy who's going to come in and contribute right away, like Cahoon, like Kubalik. He's a and he's a scorer. That's what he does. So I think they see him as a top six kind of a guy. Maybe I don't know if Calton does, but I think the Hawks do. Uh, I think Mackenzie Entwistle has a chance. He was very close to being called up before the season was paused. Kurishev's a guy they've liked for a long time, uh, and then I would think Chalupa's maybe fourth on that list potentially. I think if if you're gonna if I'm gonna rank them, that would be the order I would go in: Suter, Entwistle. Uh, Kurashev and Chalupa. I do like that we've completely ignored the fact that it's it is Halupa. We're just gonna, we're we're buying into Chalupa. Screw yeah. this nonsense. It was like when Laurent Delfam was here, and we were like, "It's Larry Dolphin." Too bad. Whatever. So sad. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I did want to. I wanted to shout out Jay Dubina for something that I definitely noticed in the series. The Blackhawks do need some guys that can be physical, but don't you think they need more speed and skill? They seem to be chasing the puck, and their passes were not very crisp. And for the record, they were not very crisp. And guess whose passes were? Vegas was tape to tape on basically every flipping pass that they sent. It was absolutely nuts, and it drove me crazy because even pucks that were bouncing on the bad ice in Edmonton were hitting freaking stick blades. And I'm like, how is this happening? Why can't the Blackhawks be like this? It was kind of annoying how good Vegas was. I'm not going to lie. Uh, said this last show, the Hawks are the 2010 wild and Vegas is the 2010 Hawks. Like boy, you know, at the truth. That's how it feels. All right. Jeffro, uh, responding to our comments says they need more defensemen. Ian Mitchell will play next year. Uh, I think Bodan's going to play next year. Uh, they've got a lot of defensemen in the system that are coming up. You've got another year of Boquist development. I'm sure I'm missing a bunch cause it's almost 1 a.m., but their top prospects, oh, Lucas Carlson, who is a contributor for these playoffs, in fact, is another guy who's going to get a huge look on defense. So it's going to be a transition year. They're going to have a lot of young defensemen on the team, but uh, they believe in all, they like a lot of those guys very much. And uh, I think Ian Mitchell of those guys is the one you should be the most excited about. He's ready to step in and contribute right away. I know we're going to get into this on our next podcast, but I'm just going to go ahead and jump the gun anyway. Eric asks, as the Blackhawks currently stand roster-wise, do you really expect them to make the playoffs next season? No. No, because I think they're going to lose some veterans. They're going to lose guys that would maybe get them close to that hump, and they're going to they're going to be younger next year than they are this year. But They have to be. They have to be. Plus, even if you bring Corey Crawford back, which is not a given, you've got 37, 38-year-old Corey Crawford in goal. Keith's another year older. All the all the older guys, you know, Taves, Kane. I don't know. I just, it's hard for me to envision them having a better outcome next year than they did this unless they bring in a new coach who can unlock some of the talent this team has. If they fire Jeremy Cowton tomorrow, cool because i i got nothing i still don't know what he does well yeah i i don't i don't know what he's brought to the team that's made them better than what joel quenville did even at the end when they were struggling under quenville there's there hasn't been any big change from jeremy Cowan. there's no there's no visible system that he's using it seems to change on a whim all the time 
And the, like the power play in the playoffs is a great example, especially against Edmonton. Was it game one where the power play was moving the puck really well? And, uh, you know, they got some good looks. Then for games two and three, they just stood still and stared at each other. It's like, what's the plan here, man? I don't get it. I, I just don't know what Jeremy Cowton does well. And no one can seem to answer that question. The, the response is always like, well, you know, he came into a tough situation. Yes, and? And then, <laughs> then what happened, right? I don't know. I, they, I'm ready for a full front office and coaching staff dump but i'd be shocked if that happens i i don't think they're going to clear clean house in the front office i think that at maximum we see colleton gone but then again i had no clue they were going to fire john mcdonough so what the hell do i know um i do i've seen a few questions about this and i do want to bring this up because i think it's something that we're going to be talking about a lot in the coming weeks eric asked we should be trading guys to restock the pipeline and just rebuild before most of these guys' value gets too low we are not contenders and by the time they we are the core will be gone anyways and brendan in the chat also asked do you look at trading Kane or taves this off season and it's let's just get it out there, man. Should they consider trading John, a guy like Jonathan Tabes or Patrick Kane? I think at this point in the franchise, everything's on the table. You do not pay for past performance. You don't keep guys around for past performance. That's why this team is in the cap hell they're in because they reward Brent Seabrook with a, with a huge contract, a long contract well after his best days are gone as a, Hey, thanks for being great. Here's a contract. We'll never be able to move. Appreciate you. The problem with that is with the cap remaining flat for every team in the league, there's not a lot of teams, especially contenders, that are going to be able to take on ten and a half million dollars. If they're going to take that on, you're going to take some crap back and you're looking at a potential Detroit Red Wings situation with the Hawks. Because if you take away Taves and Kane and Keith from this team, oh my God. Oh my God. Prepare I, yourselves, people. And I don't know. Is Brandon Saad going to reload? Are you going to get a bunch of prospects for Brandon Saad? I don't think so. I think you're just better off trying to. I would, I'm open to trading all the veterans, but I, I just don't think it's possible. That's the only thing. I don't think it's possible. And I think because of the hardship it would be for most teams to take on those contracts, you're not going to get back anything that's truly going to help you win in the future. That, that should have happened two, three years ago. As tough as a pill as it would have been to swallow then, that would have been a time when those guys are still at max value, but it's probably too late now. Uh, Marcus in the chat uh, asked the question, is their championship window closed? I don't know how it can't be. Exactly. How are they, unless Suter comes in and is a, is, is a 40-goal guy, which is highly unlikely, and they are able to bring back everybody. Kajula and Strom and Kubalik and Crawford, which I think is impossible. How is this team improving? How are they getting better? Because you've got to buy out Mata, and I don't care what you say. Mata is one of their six best defensemen, and I don't know. I just don't see. I just don't see it. it. Is Shaw coming back? And if Shaw comes back, is he a contributor? Who knows? He didn't do damn near anything when he was healthy this year. Mm -hmm. I just don't see the path to like today to success. I, I just don't see, I just don't see how they're going to get out of this. And that's why I think it's imperative. Like it, I wasn't a huge fan when Rocky Wirtz said that they gave Stan Bowman a multi-year contract extension. It feels like to me, Stan has made this mess and I don't trust him to clean it up. Like that's a pretty significant issue, man. I just, I really, Ugh, I, I don't even want to think about that, that they're going to have him a couple more time, like a couple more seasons, at least. It's like, I feel like they would be better off with a new voice in that front office. It just seems like that's not the direction that they're going. The one area they could still potentially go with a new voice in is at the head coaching position. Had a few people mention uh, candidates in the chat. I only highlighted this one because it kind of cracked me up. CB408 said, Dennis Savard. Bring him back. You got to commit to the Native American. <laughs> a couple of things before I forget to say them. If Jeremy Cowan's fired, you've already let Stan Bowman fire Joel Quenville. And this was his guy. 
He wanted to get Jeremy Cowden in there. How in the hell do you let Stan Bowman hire another coach after firing one of the best coaches in the history of the game for a failed 36-year-old head coach? Secondly, the veterans on this team don't like Cowden. It's very clear. If you listen to Duncan Keith talk, it's they, they don't enjoy it. They're not fans of his coaching. How do you look at those guys and say, John Quenville was on the ice with three minutes left in an elimination game. Nothing's gotten better, right? And yeah, some of this is on the players for sure. Of course, you got to blame the players for some of these things too. But how do you look at them and say, Jeremy Collins coming back as your coach next year? That to me is a really hard sell for these guys. Uh, random hockey fan 6969 asked, is Jeremy Colleton one of the Blackhawks top six defensemen if he suits up and plays? I, I made that up, by the way. That was not a real question. I just wanted to see if I could elicit any sort of a reaction out of you, but it's 1 a.m. and it seems like you're uh, you're starting well, to lose steam there, buddy. Just I just saying. watched the uh, video that JTM sent uh, of... <laughs> it's in the chat if everybody wants to watch simultaneously with us of Jeremy Calton walking past Taves and Taves not even making eye contact with him. Yep. I know. I saw that. That was uh kind of a interesting thing for the record, by the way, if the Blackhawks do end up canning Jeremy Colleton, they could do a hell of a lot worse than Gerard Gallant. Like I oh, would, yeah. I would so love to have that guy behind the bench for the Blackhawks but does he really want to be here for what they're going to end up having to do to potentially contend again? I just, I I don't know if he wants that or not. I think he'd rather maybe wait for what would honestly be a better opportunity. Like I just, I I would, I would love it. I just, I think it's a lot more likely that what would end up happening is they would get rid of him and keep Mark Crawford. Like that to me seems like that would be the most Blackhawksy thing to do of all. Yeah, that doesn't excite me though. Does any I, like nothing? No hire that they're probably going to make is going to excite you too much. I just don't. I don't. I don't know of a lot of coaches who are going to look at this team and go, "Yeah, this is where I want to be, and we can contend immediately." I just. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like Gallant like definitely ups their chances of reaching the playoffs, but does he make them a Stanley Cup contender again? Probably not with some serious overhaul and some big jumps forward from some of these younger guys. You can't dismiss the appeal of coaching an original six team. That's that matters to people. That matters to coaches. But like you said, if I'm Gallant, I've probably got a lot of options this offseason. And am I looking at a total a close to complete rebuild of the Blackhawks? Am I up for that? I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, but I think they should talk to them. They should talk to everyone they can and pick as many brains as they can. Why not use the opportunity to interview as many coaches as you can, get some inside looks at some other organizations, right? Like, oh, how do they do things here? Interesting. We're not going to hire you, but it's nice to know. Thanks for the input. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I just don't know how you go back next season with Jeremy Cowan as head coach. And look, maybe someday he figures it out. Maybe another team hires him with a younger core without these, you know, future Hall of Famers on the roster. And it works out there but it's just not working here. And I'm not blaming him for the loss of the series. The Hawks were overmatched. Vegas is a better team than, excuse me, a better team than them. And everyone picked Vegas to win this series for a reason. That said, there are a lot of things that Jeremy Cowden could have done different that may have made this series last a little longer than it did. (sighs) I unfortunately think you're correct, man. And I think that we're getting to that time in the podcast where, I'm guessing that we're at the time of the podcast where we're going to have to start saying our uh, goodbyes and our farewells to the 2019-2020 season. So before we wrap up, Jay, before we start saying our thank yous to our listeners, I do, I have to ask you, if you were to try to sum up the Blackhawks season, would you classify this season as a disappointment, as something that you're satisfied with? What's What's your endearing, like your enduring, sorry, thoughts of how this season went for the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, before it started, my priorities were development, right? Play the kids that deserve to play, sit the vets that don't. And for the most part that happened. Uh, That said, I don't feel like the young players they have were developed very much aside from doc, right? 
And Doc did it on his own. He didn't do it because of coaching. He didn't do it because of usage. Kirby Doc said, F this. I'm getting bigger, stronger, and faster. And I'm going to come in and show everybody why I was the third overall pick. To me, Boquist is not better today than he was the first day. And while I still think he's going to be a very good player, that to me is a problem. A guy who's that important to your franchise. And guess what? Henry Okahara, you last year also didn't develop under Jeremy Cowlton. So that to me is a huge disappointment. Doc, who just has the natural ability and the will to do it himself, did it. I've not seen anybody else on the team develop into anything better than they were when they got here. If anything, it's almost been a complete what's the word I'm looking for? Downgrade from everyone on the roster. Everybody except Kirby Doc and Kubalik. Am I wrong? I don't think so. And I think that was well, that's one of the things that I was definitely going to say is that I feel like we're definitely seeing the downslope of quite a few guys' careers on the Blackhawks, unfortunately. And it's a bummer, obviously, but just it is tempered with that optimism that I feel watching Kirby Doc go out there game after game in at the end of the regular season and then into these playoffs. I just I look I look at him and I look at a guy who can potentially be a one or a two center for this team. And it gives me at least a glimmer of hope. And I'm not going to give up on guys like Alex to And I still think that Patrick Kane, if he comes back next season is still going to be a really good point scorer And one of the NHL's top guys in that category, I, I look at the team and I do, while I see plenty of reasons for pessimism and plenty of reasons to think that we're in for potentially a long haul of rebuilding this team and restructuring them to potentially get them into a place where they can be a postseason contender again, I can acknowledge all of that while still seeing those faint glimmers of hope from those young guys that could potentially be the future of this franchise. And if you execute this correctly, if you start to like really build around these guys, we could be in for better times ahead in the future. And again, just look at number 77 and it makes me feel a little bit better about the state of things. I think I would just love to see what 77 and 12 and 17 and 27 all do with a legitimate experienced NHL head coach. That's all. And I I hope we get to see it next season. All right. Thank you. Oh, first we got to tell you about our friends at fry the coop. Frythecoop.com. Go get the best damn hot chicken you've ever gotten in your life. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Town, and Well Street Market coming soon to Tinley Park and an area near you. Drove by Elmhurst today and I was like, damn it, I missed the exit. I went to Ikea again. <sighs> but I missed Fry the Coop. But I'm going to go this weekend to celebrate uh, the end of a really strong podcast season for James and I. And that's all because of you guys. But go to Fry the Coop. Get that hot chicken. You're going to love it. Frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness. But we want to thank everybody. Uh, These last few weeks, uh, as unexpected as they were, have been really huge for the podcast. Uh, Not just like you guys listening on the Madhouse podcast, joining us here for the hot mics. Our Patreon has picked up steam. Uh, The tip jar here on hot mic has picked up steam. And the numbers have been absolutely incredible. We were, I checked two days ago, we were at 89,000 downloads for the month of August alone. That's absolutely insane. That's the biggest month we've, that we've ever had. So thank you to everybody who's listened, who's tuned in on Hot Mike, who has told a friend. Uh, that means the world to us because uh, we love doing this. And it's really nice to see uh, you guys enjoying us doing it. And and it's nice to see, first of all, the instant feedback in the chat from everybody. Like, we're not just speaking into the ether. There are actually people listening. It's It's awesome. And uh, we can't thank you guys enough for your support. Uh, This will be coming up on year six next season, right? Of the podcast, it it will be our sixth season. Yeah, unreal. But uh, look, without you guys, there's no point in doing it. Without you guys, we don't have the success we have. So thank you so much, and thank you for supporting our sponsors too, because they're all going through a tough time right now as well. Uh, So thanks for sticking with them. And when you go, thanks for telling them you heard about them from us. They're very happy with their investment on this podcast and. That, again, is a tribute to our listeners. Without a doubt, the listeners, you guys all make this so worth it for us. We, I personally, and I know Jay is the same way, we cannot say enough to you guys to thank you for all the support that you've given us over the years. And even with the Blackhawks still 
struggling to win anything. Y'all are still here with us and enjoying Blackhawks hockey and listening to us yammer about it for hours upon hours at end. And I just, I can't believe how, how lucky we are to have the listener base that we do. And you guys just blow us all away with the support you give us and our sponsors. And we love each and every one of you, even the ones that say mean and hurtful things to us about Martin Havlad and Artemi Panarin and all those guys. We, st- we still love you anyway. And I did see somebody bring up in the chat that they want to see us potentially do some hot mics during the rest of the postseason with other games. I, I would very much like to do that as well. And I think that what we'll end up doing is kind of asking on our Twitter accounts, like what games people would like us to kind of check out. We'll we'll get together again. We'll just get together, have a couple beers, and we'll enjoy some uh, postseason hockey together. I think that it's going to be a good time, even though the Blackhawks, unfortunately, are done for the rest of the year. Yeah, and uh, by the way, we're not going anywhere. We're still going to do the Madhouse podcast. We'll do at least one a week. It's going to be a really newsy offseason. Uh, I think a new president will be named in the near future here. Uh, the fact that Rocky Word said, whoever the new president is, he won't be a hockey rehash. Hmm, that sounds like someone specific. It sounds like they've got someone in mind. So keep an eye on that. We'll have all the Blackhawks news roster-wise, front office-wise, and we'll be with you every week. But yes, for sure, we'll be doing some hot mics during the rest of the playoffs. So thank you all for joining us. It's 1.15 in the morning, so we're going to end this thing. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. From the bottom of my heart, and I know I speak for James too, thank you so much for the support. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop.